Hey everybody, Nate Clark here. I'm the pastor of Oasis Church here in Richmond, Virginia. We pray that this podcast is helpful and encouraging to you in your life. Here's today's message. All right, all right, all right. Hey, great to see you everybody. How we doing this evening? We doing well? Happy Tuesday night. Are we doing well tonight? Hey, so great to see you tonight. Thank you so much for taking your Tuesday evening to set it aside, to seek the presence of God. We had an incredible evening last night going after the presence of the Lord together. God met us in a powerful way. I've heard some great testimonies of God speaking to people and moving in people's lives last night, and uh, I'm believing for more of it tonight. Anybody with me? Hey, tonight, I'm not going to take up any more time. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hand it over to my friend this evening. I've got one of my best friends in the world. Uh, here with us tonight, Pastor Travis Jones. He pastors Motivation Church uh, here in Richmond. He's in the south side. Y'all thank him. He drove north of the river tonight to get here. And uh, so he's with us tonight. He's one of my best friends in the entire world. Him and his wife, Brittany, uh, are just such an encouragement to us, and we love them dearly. And uh, we're ready to receive the word tonight, brother. So church, can you, can you put your hands together and welcome Pastor Travis as he brings the word? Come on, let's go, Oasis Church. It is so good to be here. Hey, by the way, I'm from the south side, so in the south side, they shout the preacher down, everybody. So none of that quiet church stuff. Come on, somebody. We're having revival, y'all. And uh, I tell you what, last week I was in Florida. I was with the Church Multiplication Network. It's an organization that Nate and I and others get to be a part of, and we start churches all around the country, and we're talking about how we're going to start many more. We need to start 500 a year, and uh, we said we need to kind of put on paper a model, a model church plant that goes into a community, loves it, reaches people, preaches the word of God, and literally all five of the directors said, Oasis Church, Nate Clark, you know, and um, so I want to let you know, first of all, I want to talk to you all and say thank you so much for for building a great church. Thank you for giving, for serving. Thank you for attending. Man, look at this crowd on a Tuesday night. I can't get nobody out on a Tuesday night. Come on, somebody. And in the fact that you're here, thank you so much for being a model church because what you're doing here in a very uh, small city of Richmond, you're becoming a model to many other churches all around the country. So give yourselves a hand clap, everybody. Come on. Come on. And then to Pastor... Pastor Nate and Anna, thank you so much for leading the charge. Um, I know the weight that comes with this responsibility, weight that no one else will ever see, and weight that you all will see. You see Pastor Nate and Anna, they come here with their smile on their face, and they're going to give their best every single time these doors are open. But there's a weight that you have managed over the last few years, and I want to say well done for managing the weight of the responsibility of the leadership of this house. Thank you. Hey, could you stand and give your and honor your pastors today. Come on, can we honor your pastors for who they are? Well done. Well done. Well, I do have a word. Pastor Nate said I only had 30 minutes, and uh, normally I I would laugh at that if my church told me that, but I'm going to honor the man of God. And, um, you know, I was thinking about this one word that's been on my heart lately, and it's called, the, the word that's that's been in my head is drifted, drifted. You know, you know, 
you know, we don't really fall into a bad situation. We actually drift there. Like you don't like get into major debt like in one moment. You, you get into it over time, small decisions over time. Like it happens even in marriages, right? You know, you start at the altar and you're so close with God and, and you're close with your, your spouse and you're at this altar. You say, I do with your spouse. And then over time, because of the business of life and the demands of life, you kind of just drift apart if you're not careful. I, I think about just even when I walk with God, sometimes we can just allow the responsibilities and the demands of life to cause us to drift. And it's my desire that we just drift back to a place where God wants us to be. I, I remember in the sixth grade, uh, I wanted this girl. This girl name was Tidenequa Johnson, y'all. Come on. And it was back in the days when girls had bees in their hair, y'all. Come on. And, and Tidenequa would come to the school, Miami Cutler Ridge Elementary School, with her loud hair. And I remember just saying to my friends, man, I got to get Tidenequa Johnson. So I did what everyone does. I went to TV to get some lines so I can write in a letter to give to Tinequa Johnson. Well, the first show that came on was Good Times. Y'all remember Good Times, y'all? Come on, JJ Dynamite, y'all remember that? And, and JJ said to a girl on the show, hey, you got two options, either love me or marry me, but you can't say no to me. So I did exactly what JJ did. I wrote in a letter to Tinequa Johnson. I said, girl, I know of you since the beginning of sixth grade. I've been watching you in all of our periods that we had together. And I said, you got two options from this letter, not will you like me or don't like me. My options were, hey, love me or marry me. <laughs> so I, I gave her the letter and all my friends watched me give her a letter like, oh, Trap, you're gonna get her, you got her, man, I'm so proud of you. Well, the next period we had the same class. And so she hands me a note and all my friends are like, oh my goodness, Travis, it worked, it worked. I opened up the letter. She says, yeah, I've been watching you since the beginning of sixth grade, too. You too skinny for me. And you got two options. Leave me alone or I call my brother. <laughs> right? That's literally the option she gave me. And it was, it was almost like I was so excited to open up the letter because I love getting letters. I don't know about you, but I, I know you love getting letters in the mail. And, and by the way, don't you know that? not just Tyneco Johnson wrote me a letter, but actually God wrote us a letter. It's called the book of Revelation. The book of Revelation is a letter that God downloaded to a guy named John on the island of Patmos, and literally God says, I'm going to write you a letter that you're going to send to seven different churches. And here's what he said in the letter. He says this, Church, Oasis, I know your works, your labor, your patience, and all, and that you cannot bear those who are evil. And you have tested those who say they're apostles, but they really are not. And you found them to be liars. And you have preserved and have patience, and you have labored for my name's sake, and you have not become weary. Nonetheless, I have this one thing against you. You have left your first love. Remember, therefore, where you have fallen and repent and do the works at first or else I will come quickly and remove the lampstand from its place unless you repent. Father, I pray for the next few moments you may speak your word to your people in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. 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 So I was thinking about this text uh, and uh, this passage of scripture is written by a guy named, named John. John is the writer of the Gospel of John. 
Now, the, there are four Gospels that we have. We have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Matthew, Mark, and Luke are what's called, they're similar Gospels, right? They're, they're Gospels that they got, they, they use the same source, right? And so uh, Matthew, Mark, and, and Luke, they only cover the first year of Jesus' ministry. So what they do was they talk about his birth, and then they talk about the first year, and then they jump into the end, right? And so no one covered the last two years of his ministry. So what happened was there's this John guy comes on a scene, which is the latest gospel of the four gospels that we have. And so he begins to cover things about Jesus that the other gospels didn't care, cover, right? So chapter one of John, the gospel of John, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God. That's something that no other gospel covered. Right, chapter two was the first miracle that Jesus ever did. Right, like they, they didn't cover those miracles. Right, chapter three, the the conversation with Nicodemus. Chapter four, the lady at the well. Chapter five, the I am the bread of life, and he he claims to be the Messiah. Chapter fifteen, he like the prayer that all we all may be one, and we are a, a part of a vine. These are things that no other gospel covered but the apostle John. And so John covered these narratives that the other gospel didn't cover. Then he goes on to be a leader in the church. And literally, as he's about to die, the emperor is boiling his body. Some, some stats say or historical records say that this guy was boiling to death in oil and he kept preaching the gospel. And there are statements by a guy named Tertullian that says this, that he just would not die. So literally, while they're trying to kill him in boiling the water, they take him out of the boiling water because he's preaching this gospel, and they exiled him to a place called Patmos. It's an island. In fact, if there's a picture of that, of that map real quick, I just want you to see this island. And so, so John gets cast over to this island, and that's when God begins to download him a letter that he's going to write to seven different churches. Those churches are along the coast and then along the, the, the next to them. And so literally, these are seven churches, a letter that the book of Revelation is really all about. And in this first letter, this first church, he's talking to a church called Ephesus. We, we know about Ephesus because of Ephesians. And we know also in the book of Acts how the apostle Paul planted his church and started his church. And, and he starts off in this letter towards the church of Ephesus by saying, hey, I see you. Like, I see the grind that you are doing. And by the way, I really believe that God is saying the same thing to you tonight, Oasis Church. I see you. I see your good works. I see you showing up on Sundays. I see you building a great church in this great city. I see you grinding week in and week in out. I see you inviting your friends. I, I see your works. So people who are serving in kids ministry, I see you. People who are pouring the coffee, I see you. People who are serving behind the scenes, I see you. People in the production, I see you. And he almost like he validates their work and he even says, hey, you, you have even, you cast out false prophets and I see your grind and I see your labor. But then he says, hey, but by the way, there's this one thing that I got to just bring to your attention is that you've walked away from your first love. I got a picture of my wife. I got a high school picture. I want to see a high school picture of me. Come on, somebody. That's me in the 10th grade. I just took her to Applebee's. Y'all remember Applebee's was good, y'all? Come on, somebody. And uh, 
we, I, I just was thinking about that moment. This is me in 10th grade, Brittany in 10th grade. And I remember praying for 10 months uh, that God would give me Brittany Jackson. That was her last name at the time. And so, uh, and, and God allowed by his sovereign power for her to call me. Come on, somebody. We, we, we went to Applebee's, and I remember being so nervous. I remember for the first six months of our, our dating relationship, I didn't even hug her. I just gave her a handshake. <laughs> because I was so afraid to mess up what God gave me. I, I just remembered in those moments, in those days right there, we would be on the phone all night long. You couldn't tell me nothing. I remember one time I had a track meet, and I had an hour to get to my track meet, and, and, my, uh, and my girlfriend at the time, uh, Brittany, she lived about 45 minutes away. I remember driving to see Brittany just for two seconds. Literally, I saw her face. Then I got back into my car and ran and ran a track meet. Here's why. I was so desperate to be in her presence. And then we, we go along. I went, I went to a school called Southeastern, and she goes to another school. We both date for a long distance for four years, but, man, we would talk to each other. We didn't have FaceTime. I mean, we had AOL dial-up. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Come on, we had MySpace, y'all. Come on. <laughs> and I just remember those moments, those first days. I remember the day that I got married to her. It was so special. I could not even get through our vows. It was like, like uh, to love it, to hold, to have it, to cherish. I, I literally was so in love with this girl. But, but then we had kids, and we get into ministry, and <laughs> life happened, y'all. <laughs> and if I'm not careful, the love that I had at that moment can become more responsibilities, and now we're just managing the Joan household instead of me keeping my love with my bride. And, and this is exactly what, what Jesus is telling to the church. He's saying, hey, I know that you, you, have, you, you, you are building a great church, and I, I love that you are seeking God. I love that. But you got to get back to a place where you are so desperate for the presence of God. You got to get back to a place where you are so hungry to be in God's presence. And I believe there's three different ways of how we can come back to our first love. The first way is this, back to a love of God's word. And I just wanted to remind you, and that's why, by the way, I love your pastor. Every single week, your pastor is preaching the word of God, right? And you don't know how good you got it because a lot of churches in America now become TED Talks and just inspire you and motivate you, but never want to teach you the word of God. And God would say, if we're going to come back to his love, we're going to drift back to a place where he loves us. We got to get so in love with his word once again. I remember opening up that letter that that girl gave me in sixth grade. It was, I was opening it with such anticipation of what it was going to say to me. I didn't get the news that I wanted, but praise God, I was so excited to open it up. And we have to get so excited once again and open up this love letter that God has wrote to humanity that the Bible starts with him speaking the world into existence. And then he starts a family of God through Abraham. The family gets in captivity in, in Egypt and God sets them free. They wander in the wilderness. God puts them in the promised land. They rebel against God and God puts them in captivity. Then God lets them go again. And there's an intertestamental time. And then later on, there's another God that came down on earth to save his people. His name is Jesus. He lived a life, went to the grave, died, rose again on the third day. And then he began, he started the church and then he wanted to teach about discipleship through the epistles and through the letters. And that's the letter that you and I get to read every single day. 
And what he's saying to us is let us get back to a place where his word is so glorious to us that we don't have an American church society where we think that we're going to give TED Talks and give inspirational talks. No, 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 no. The word of God is the greatest thing that we can read in our lives. He's asking us to come back to a place because if we're not careful, we can believe the world's word more than we believe God's word. Like we, we can come back to a place where literally what happens is that we get so indoctrinated with so much stuff in our culture that we lose sight, that we have access to the very words of God. This letter that you and I get to read every day, he says, come back to that. The, the, the next thing he's asking us to come back to is not just the word of God, but also the witness of God. Like, you know, when you first came to meet Christ, like you told everybody about God. You remember you were so excited to tell people about God. And I remember when I was in high school and I first met Christ, I, I had this statement. I would never come to church alone because I never wanted to keep this secret that God can come in and save humanity. Let us come back to a place when God's our first love. We can't help but tell our family and friends, our co-workers about this God who can come and restore their lives. There are people that surrounding you that has broken marriages or broken lives. They made mistakes and now they're low and they're not believing in what God can do. And we got to remind them that our God is a reconciler. Our God is a restorer. Our God is a God who can save them from their sin and deliver them to the place where God really wants them to be. He's calling them back to a place of witness today. Another thing that in the book of Revelation, I really believe in this letter that he's calling us back to is a place of worship. I want to hang out here for the next 10 minutes or so if that's okay with y'all. He's asking us to come back to a place of worship. A, A place where literally like nothing else matters but God. A, a few, um, um, just a few um, years ago, it was after actually our first year that we started our church motivation. My pastor said, hey, Travis, man, you are working way too hard. Your family's been running fast. Hey, we're going to send you to a, a trip to Disney World. So I, they, 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 just to reconnect with my wife, reconnect with the kids because we had started a church. I mean, we had lots of sleep. It's nice, and it was crazy. So anyways, uh, the uh, Cornerstone paid for us to go to um, Disney World. So we go to Disney World, and we are so excited. And, but when I go on vacation, I become like real dad, y'all. Come on. Like, I, I wear the full fanny pack, Skechers. Come on. Khaki shorts, like the, the dad cap. I am ready to roll, by the way. I am the dad. Like, I am the real dad. I remember, like, we were, <laughs> it was so funny. Uh, we were, the night before, I told my kids, hey, we're getting up at 3.30 a.m. We're going to be there at the rope drop. The rope drop is when they drop the rope, and you can be the first into the park, right? I told my family, we're going to be the first ones on that ferry ride, and when we get there, we're going to be at the rope drop, and then we're going to run to the Seven Dwarfs, and then we're going to run to Space Mountain, and then we're going to run to uh, the Thunder Mountain. So literally, we did it. I got them up at 3.30. They're super tired. They're mad like, Dad, in this vacation? No, we got to get all the rides. <laughs> so anyways, we, we, we get on the rides, and we ride, like, the, the plan worked. First in the park. We get on seven doors, no line. Get on Space Mountain, no line. Medium line to uh, Thunder Mountain. Then we we get into another ride. Brittany pulls me aside and says, Travis, 
let me, this trip wasn't about roller coasters. This trip has always been about connection with you and I, you and the kids. It, it was it was almost like she was reminding me that I got so caught up in riding the roller coaster that I lost sight of what this thing was all about. It was always been about connection. And oftentimes you and I, we can get so busy and, and building our lives and pursuing our careers and building our families and building our churches. And God says, hey, hey, I love the rides. I, I call you to the rides. But just know that the rides are only meant for you to be connected to me. Like, just know that I've, I came here so that, so that you and I can, can have connection. By the way, that's the gospel. The gospel is that God came down here on earth so that we can be reconciled with God. That's what this thing's always been about. It's always been about worship, connection with the Father. That's why we do church. That's, that's why we invite more people into church because he's worthy of it. their worship. That's what this thing's all about. Recently, there was a pastor who went around and did a, a, a survey asking people, where was God setting the people free in Egypt? The book of Exodus, where were he setting them free? And most people would say, yeah, he's setting them free to go to the promised land. I mean, the promised land. But actually, if you read the text, God never said, let my people go so that they can go to the promised land. God always said, I'm setting my people free so that they can worship me at Mount Sinai. This whole thing has always been about worship. Salvation has always been about worship and connection with God. This whole thing has literally been about our connection with him. You see, the promised land is the mission, but worship is the goal. Like, like we're, we're going to get there, and I'm going to prophesy over this church, Oasis, you're going to get there. You're going to build a great church. Come on. You, I'm going to prophesy campuses over this place. You're going to get bigger buildings. You're going to get more staff and more leaders. You're going to grow. You're going to reach lost people. This thing is going to happen. You're going to get to the promised land, Oasis. But, but, but can I tell you, don't get there without worship. Because I don't want us, you see, what happens all the time, and, and, and I get the, the privilege to travel around, I see a lot of promised land-driven churches. And by the way, promised land-driven Christians. You get so caught up in like, God, what do you have for me? God, what's next? God, uh, I want this. God, I'm believing you for this. God, I want this. And God will say, hey, just, just, can you get back to like just when I'm enough? Where worship at Mount Sinai is a goal, and when we get to the promised land, that's cool. Praise God. But man, we got worship. And it's my prayer that we drift back to a place where worship is the greatest resource that we have. It's my prayer if maybe life and the business of life, maybe mistakes, sin, strongholds, trauma, mental health battles. Maybe, maybe you've had so many things that go against you in this last season. Maybe financially things are falling apart. Maybe your families are, are falling apart. Maybe you got some prayers that you have seen unanswered. Maybe you are lonely in this season. Maybe you are here and you, just, you, you feel so disconnected to God in this season. And God would tell you, you got to get back to a place where worship is the greatest thing we can do. Amen, somebody? Would you stand to your feet right now? I just, I want to, I want to just go back into some worship.
Can, can we get back to a place where nothing else matters? That he's our first love? That he's the God that we get to serve? That he's the God that we get to worship? Pastor Nate's going to come and lead us in a moment, but, but, but just real quick, I, I just want to get back to a song. Can we, what, what song are you going to sing? We're going to greet all you, Lord? Can we just go back into that right now? And I, I just want you to just kind of open up your heart once again. And if you feel disconnected from God, if you feel like you've drifted away, maybe the demands of life, your responsibilities, you, you drifted away. Oasis, God is telling us once again to drift back to our first love. Let's make his word and his witness and his worship number one in our lives. Amen, somebody? Come on, can we worship our God today? Come on, can we thank our God today? Can we give God a hand clap of praise? Thank you, Lord. Thanks so much for tuning in to this week's podcast. Hey, if this content was helpful and encouraging to you, you could help us out by leaving a review or sharing it with the people in your life. I know it would bless them. Thanks again for tuning in, and we'll see you next week.